morning, Living Streams. Thanks for tuning in. Um, everything's new for us here as we're doing this live stream without having a gathering. Um, and it's new for you, I know. Thanks for participating. Thanks for joining in, even if it feels a little strange to you. But this is our way of doing community for the next couple of weeks, at least. And, uh, and we're excited to, to lean into it and see what God has for us here. Um, today's a special day because Jay Murphy's gonna be preaching to us on worship. I've been so thankful for how the Lord set up our sermon series over the past few weeks. With last week, the, the message that we gave about community, which was so important as we faced a whole new way of having to do community. And I love that in this uncertainty and, and challenging time, Jay's gonna be able to share from his, his depth and his heart on worship, how we can position ourselves to be generous to the Lord and generous to each other. And then next week, we're gonna be, um, I'll be preaching on uh, serving the poor. And I think that's something that God's obviously gonna call us to do as we, as we go through all the turmoil and disruption that, that um, our world's gonna be experiencing from this. So um, normally we would have you give Jay a warm welcome as he comes up, but at this point, um, why don't you just go ahead and, and greet the people in your living room, uh, maybe give somebody a high five, and, and then uh, Jay's gonna share the word with us. Well, hey guys, it's really good to be together. We are experiencing some very unique and unprecedented times but I think it presents a really cool opportunity for us to learn how to dwell in the presence and the goodness of God when we're not in this building. And um, there are myriads of different responses to what we're all experiencing in our culture right now. And I think what today's talk is gonna be about is really about the right response, the best response to the church that the believer can offer when there's confusion, when there's chaos, when there's fear, when there's uncertainty. God offers something that's very reliable. God offers something that's unchangeable, unshakable, and unmovable. That's his presence, that's his goodness. Um, so if you have your Bible or your phone app, let's go ahead and dive right in. Uh, actually, I do wanna pray before we start. God, we thank you for the promise of your presence. We thank you that worship silences the voice of the enemy. We thank you, Lord, that you're always good, you're always faithful, that your steadfast love endures forever. So Lord, we take this moment of pause to rest in your presence, to remind ourselves of your goodness. To submit our hearts to you, our thoughts to you, and to worship you. Thank you, Lord, that every good and perfect gift comes from you and that you're always the same. We love you, we worship you. Speak to us now in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. This is probably my favorite passage in scripture. It's one of my favorite stories. Uh, I teach from it a lot around our worship team, but it's a really powerful picture of 
worship and of the believer's response in the face of crisis. Second Chronicles chapter 20. After this, this is verse one, after this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Meunites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Eden, Edom, from the other side of the sea. It is already in Hazazon Tamar, that is in Engedi. And alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. And the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So they have a crisis. They have a national crisis. They weren't expecting it. It sort of came out of nowhere. These three different people groups, these three different nations surrounded them and said, we're going to take them out. And it says alarmed. They had that feeling of panic. They had that feeling of what are we going to do now? And their immediate response was, let's get with God on this. Let's assemble. They assemble at the temple and they start crying out to God. They started lifting their voice to the Lord. And here's what Jehoshaphat, he's the king, he stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and we will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. See, they're reminding God at this point, not that he needs reminded, but it was okay. The relationship was such that it was okay for them to lay out the terms of the covenant that they had made with him. We built a place of worship. We're here worshiping. Have you not promised that you'll be there for us? You've always been the God that shows up. Are you going to show up this time? Verse 10, but now... Here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they had come from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as our inheritance. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? O oh, our God, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do here is, but our eyes are upon you. We don't know what to do. Our eyes are on you. It didn't matter whatever else was happening around. They said, this is the moment to keep our eyes, our heart, our worship, our words pointed on the goodness and the strength and the faithfulness and the promises of God. So that's kind of our first point. What's the right response when crisis comes? We see it right here. They got together and they started crying out to God. Lord, this is who you've said you are. This is who we've experienced you as. What now? Our eyes are on you. 
all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones, many of us are gathered together with our families right now, <clears throat> stood there before the Lord. Now here's my favorite part. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, and a descendant of Asaph as he stood in the assembly. If you know who Asaph is, he's one of the authors of many of the Psalms. So this guy, Jehaziel, comes from a long line of praisers and worshipers. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. So they get together in the presence of God to worship, to cry out, to hear his voice. And a prophetic voice among them in the middle of worship says, everybody listen, God has something to say. Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. Um, don't sit passive. The battle is not yours, it's God's, but you are gonna have to stand firm, take up your position and go show up. Here's their response. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. So he had a crisis. They got together and they worshiped and they cried out before the Lord. Then you get a prophetic voice speaking promise and hope of victory and deliverance. And they bow down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites, the sons of Korah, were also some of the authors of the Psalms. They stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, I love this, with a very loud voice. Sometimes worship and praising is our response to what God does. And sometimes worship and praising is our act of faith for what we know and believe God is going to do. And this is what they were doing. They worshiped and they praised because they believed the word of the Lord, that he was going to deliver them, that he was going to show up. And so they praised and they worshiped with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Judah means praise, by the way. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. They hadn't even become victorious yet 
but they were already giving thanks and offering praise to the Lord. It's pretty counterintuitive and even countercultural on the eve of battle to take musicians and praisers, some people that aren't carrying weapons, they're the most vulnerable, and stick them out front. A tremendous act of faith. And as they began to sing, and as they began to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the Valley of Barakah today. The word Barak is one of the Hebrew words for praise. It means to bow down low to the ground and offer praises to the Lord. So you have three different scenarios to which the same response was appropriate and even necessary. They had crisis. They got together to inquire of the Lord and hear his voice, and they offered worship. They said, Lord, this is who you've said you are. This is who we know you are. Are you not going to be that for us now? Then they got a prophetic promise of hope and victory and deliverance, and they bowed down low with their voices loud, and they praised and they worshiped the Lord. Then they exercised their faith. They went out, they stood firm, they took up their positions, and they showed up, and they led with praising, praising coming from their mouths. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. We have a reason to give thanks because the Lord has promised us success and victory. And the praising of the Lord, then the Lord set forth ambushes and they, they wiped each other out dead to the last man. They just stood there and watched it happen. And they bowed down low and they gave praise to the Lord. Their praise in that moment was so significant, so transformative, so powerful that that whole area was renamed. Worship is always our right response. Praise is always our right response. Then, as in verse 27, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lutes and trumpets and electric guitars and keyboards and drums and voices. And the fear of God came upon all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for his God had given them rest on every side. Praising and worshiping God gives us peace when there's no logical reason to have it. It affected everything that everyone saw. It changed everything. I'll just tell you a story about how this has played out in my own life. 
and uh, I'm a little cold, I'm a little nervous, my voice is trembling, and as I tell this story, it might tremble even more, because I rarely get through this story without getting a little emotional, but I think it'll help us. Um, Man, I already feel it in the end of my nose. Okay, here we go. Uh, When our daughter Hannah, she's going to be eight in a few days. Hi, baby, I know you're watching. Uh, She hadn't been feeling good. She was not not quite two years old. She hadn't been feeling good for a long time, and we were just noticing something was off. And so my wife took her into the pediatrician. They took uh, a blood sample, and she was severely anemic. Um... Uh, so so bad that uh, the doctor said, get in the car, head to Phoenix Children's, we'll call the hospital on the way there. And uh, what we found out was she, was she was so anemic, like if an adult had ever been that, an adult would not have survived that level of anemia, but because she was small um, and children are a little more resilient, they said um, she survived. Um, and I got the call, we were in staff meeting, and, and my phone had been off, and so a friend had to get a hold of me, hey, you need to head to the hospital right now, Kirsten will meet you there. And we get there, and we start listening to all the reports of what's possible and what could happen. And in that moment, there was, we were alarmed, just like Jehoshaphat. How could this happen? What's about to happen? And we heard lots of ideas about what was, what was going to go on. And we had a handful of choices. So a friend of mine brought my guitar to the hospital room. And while doctors and nurses are fidgeting around the room and checking pulses and taking blood samples and offering opinions. We just started to worship. We started to remind ourselves who God is and what he had promised us and our family and what he had spoken over our children. It wasn't easy Initially, it was difficult when you're consumed by fear to have praising coming out of our mouth. What would have been easy would be to begin rehearsing why God, why God. And we did some of that. But what we began to declare and repeat was the goodness of God the faithfulness of God, the power of God. We began to rebuke the lies of the enemy over our daughter. We laid hands on nurses and doctors that came in. Didn't even really ask them. We just said, hi, Dr. Johnson, hold still. We're going to pray for you. Um, and we sought to inquire of the Lord. I met with a friend of ours, many of you might know her, Colleen McMahon, and we just prayed together. And what I felt the Lord speak to my heart, I said, how long, how long will this be? 
And the Lord said, three weeks. That's what I felt I heard. I didn't tell anybody. Colleen was there, so she knew, but I didn't even tell my wife. I just wanted to see if the Lord was going to, if I had heard rightly from the Lord and if he was going to honor that. And wouldn't you know it, three weeks, for, I kept the date, three weeks on the button, 21 days, we were at a doctor's appointment. They tested her blood and he said, yeah, there's no more traces of the virus that was stopping her bone marrow from generating red blood cells. You don't need to come back here. She's totally well. So we worshiped when we had crisis. We worshiped during those three weeks when we knew that God was going to come through. And you better believe we offered a loud praise when we got delivered from crisis. It's always the right response. It's always the right response. If you're in your Bible, I want you to turn to John chapter 12. This is a story of the way we're meant to lavish our worship on the Lord. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took out a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it out on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. That jar cost her everything. The contents of the jar were precious. They had come from far away. And typically, that type of perfume was reserved for nobility and royalty. She knew who he was. She knew what he was worthy of. We just sang words like that, honoring Jesus. All hail King Jesus, the Savior of the world. Let every knee bow before you. Let every tongue confess that you're Lord. So she walked into that room. Everyone knew who she was. She she had been, she was labeled as a prostitute. She was a woman of the streets, they said. She knew what Jesus had delivered her from. She knew. She saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. And she poured every ounce of what she had. She brought the most valuable thing to her. In another version, the amount that she poured onto his head was somewhere around a liter. Think of one of those two liter soda bottles, half full. She emptied the entire thing on his head. And the entire house was filled with the fragrance of her worship. It changed the whole atmosphere around her, around them. And people had their different responses to it. Wasn't this, why was this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. 
down in verse seven, Jesus responds, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You'll always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And then a crowd gathered and everyone knew that Jesus was there and everyone wanted to see what was going on. But this happened not long before Jesus was crucified. It is likely that the soldiers that crucified Jesus could still smell it on him, the fragrance of her worship. In other passages, Jesus says, the story of her worship will be told and remembered for generations. And we're still telling the story today. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've come through. It doesn't matter the size of the crisis. What matters is the size and the character of our God. It's always the right response to worship. It's always the right time to praise. And so what does that look like practically in our homes right now in these times where, you know, some of us are in quarantine or we're in social distancing scenarios and we're going to the store and there's no toilet paper and there's no paper towels and sanitizing liquids and wipes are all in short supply. We can always start with praising. We can always start with worshiping. There's no need to be anxious or overcome with fear. And so practically, what do we do? Get worship playing and, and resounding in your homes. Throw your phone on with your speaker, put YouTube on the TV, do something, but get worship playing in your house. Play it in your car. Start listening to worship. But even more than just letting worship sort of wash over you and having it around you, engage it. Let the praises of God be coming from our mouth because there is a difference. There's a difference between when I will listen to worship and when I will engage in worship. There's a difference between when I participate in someone else's sacrifice of praise and when I will offer my own sacrifice of praise. And make no mistake, in these times, sometimes to praise, it will feel like a sacrifice. But you will watch the environment around you be charged and be perfumed with the fragrance of your worship. And to the extent that we feel anxiety and tension and stress in our homes, you will watch and you will see and you will notice the shift and the change because he's always worthy and it's always a good time to worship. So as we close here, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna, we're gonna pray a blessing over you. But when, while we do, we're gonna have the musicians get ready because we're gonna wrap up with worship. And as we do, maybe just stand up, maybe join hands with the people in your home. And we're just gonna praise him for the splendor of his holiness. Can we just bow our heads together? Lord, nothing that is going on in the world today is, is unfamiliar to you. None of it stresses you out. None of it has caught you by surprise. You have shown up for us before and we believe you will show up for us again. We have faith in you, the Lord our God, 
Lord, as we lift our voices to praise you now, we invite your presence to fill our homes, to fill our cars, to fill the spaces that we occupy. Lord, in this season, we exercise our faith and we sing out the praises of God. We give thanks to you for your love endures forever. Lord, please be seated on the throne of our praises. Be honored and be magnified in our homes, in our workplaces, in our cars, everywhere that our feet touch the ground. Lord, we worship you. We love you. Amen. Amen.